Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello everyone, it's your Monday free-for-all on the Second Captain's Podcast. Come on in and take your pound of flesh out of Owen Murph and Ken. Hi guys. Hello there. Hi Owen. Present your midriff there please, Ken. <laughs> Look at well, there's a couple of pounds to spare there, is that what you're saying Owen? I appreciate that. Well, I wasn't what I was saying. It's oh. a nice way to start up a podcast. I know you've all heard the news by now, rugby is officially our national sport. There was a Neil Francis article, a quiet but dignified ceremony followed. Mick O'Dwyer and John Giles were there to kiss the feet of Woody John McBride. It was quite beautiful. <laughs> Such is the hold that rugby has over the nation now. I'm not even sure any of you are going to care that we have the GA Football of the Year on the podcast today. <laughs> Who is this Andy Moran guy? <laughs> I hear you ask. And why didn't he pick up rugby sooner? <laughs> exactly. Can well, we, is there still time? I mean, he's 35 in November. It might be good centre, wouldn't he? He would. Low centre of gravity. Yeah. Can he pick in, up in, heavy things? Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not give him a try? He works in the gym industry. Is that the gym industry? Yeah. That is an industry. Yeah, yeah, no, he'd be be able to pump an iron, I would say. But much in the same way, Ken likes to repeat how much he likes Eddie Jones, Murph. I need to say it again for the record. I like Andy Moore. (laughs) I've always liked Andy Moore. Was delighted for him last year. I remember having a conversation early in the. It could have even been springtime last year. When we, we I think we might have actually had Maddie Clerken on that, that time. We had a couple of, it could have been O'Sheen as well. Mm. Uh, trying to get to the nub of why people never fully praise Andy Moran in the way that they praise some of the other forwards, your Bernard Brogans, your mm-hmm. Michael Murphys of this world. Mm-hmm. And it was put to me at the time that, well, just the way Andy Moran plays, it's a little bit more textbook. It's a little more, but, but say compared to Dermot Connolly or something, a little bit more standard corner forward play. He just does it very well, or full forward mm. play. Which uh, my reply to at the time was well, he does very well because he keeps scoring a lot of goals and points and setting up scores <laughs> and that kind of thing. And I think he finally got his day in the sun last year, although not the day in the sun that he wanted, but at least he got a football yeah. of the year gong. Well, I was saying he's he's 35 this November. He celebrated his 34th birthday last November by winning the Footballer of the Year award, which is uh, you know pretty good going for a 34 year old who people have been trying to retire for the last three or four years. I, it, to be fair, no one is no one is asking Andy this year. No, he, 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 the older he gets, the less he gets asked the retirement question, and we're not going to yeah. bother asking him today, especially in the middle of a season. No, I don't think so. And he was uh, pretty good yesterday, as Mayo got the draw they needed. Yeah, so, Donegal to so a draw was going to be enough to keep them up. They were playing in Donegal. Donegal needed to win, 
in a place that they never lose, really. They don't mm. lose matches at home in Donegal, but in Mayo, Bally Buffet. In, in Bally Buffet, yeah. I should say, yeah. But Mayo had a little bit of insurance which they needed. Yeah. Because they only won, uh, drew it with the last second, uh, last yes, kick of the game, pretty much. by Kevin McLaughlin, who mm. did something similar last year as well. So, yeah. We've also got Michael Dignan and Matt Clerken to talk about Wexford on the march after knocking defending champions Galway out of the league at the weekend. Now, if you're a part of the World Service, you've already heard three incredible interviews to celebrate the second captain's fifth birthday. But how do we intend to follow Vincent Brown, Michael Jack, and Paul Kimmage, I hear you ask? Well, by bringing you a captivating conversation with one of the most renowned filmmakers in the world is our response. Ken Loach is someone we've been hoping to get on the show for years, I think it's fair to say, and that moment has finally arrived. Loach has spent quite a lot of time over here making films about Ireland, more more movies than I was aware of before we started. Oh, it was a tough it was a tough researching gig for this one, Murphy. We both had to watch a lot of amazing Ken Loach movies. I know. Each one better than the last. And opening up avenues that I didn't, didn't even ask for overtime. No, exactly. Yeah, we're happy happy to fly over to London to meet him in his studios there. But most the most notable of the movies about Ireland was The Wind That Shakes the Barley, which won the top prize in Cannes, I think, that year. And obviously it was, was massive over here, huge box office and every other kind of a success. His fascination with our country was something that fascinated me. It's the lies that the British tell. I mean, they, they say, oh, the, the, their line usually is, well, the Irish can't stop fighting themselves as the British are there out of the goodness of their heart to keep them apart. You know, and, and it's, it's the lie of the imperialist. Um, and you look at the role of people like Churchill, you know, that they'd never talk about now in that division and the century of conflict that they instigated. I think the best way to commemorate it would be to say to Britain, OK, you're leaving the European Union. We've got a danger of the uh, division between the North and the South will be exacerbated by some kind of border. What better time than to give the Irish people the right to determine uh, whether they want to be one country again and actually reverse that historical anomaly? Yeah, Loach has been in hot water for his stance on Ireland in the past. He might be jumping straight back into that hot water again. That sounds quite, sounds quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, I see you perking up nicely there. <laughs> I, ju- I saw today there was some poll that said uh, it's more important that Brexit goes through than that Northern Ireland remains in the UK, say, Britons. <laughs> 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 so maybe it would. Uh, if we did a... If we did an all Britain and Ireland referendum, I yeah. wonder how the result would come out. I was thinking about that. You know, the, the referendum in our heads is, okay, the island of Ireland. But let's... Well, it's it a, surely it's a Northern Ireland referendum. Wow. I mean, it can't really be the all... It, can't really, it wouldn't well, be fair, I, I'm not, I think, to have an all Ireland referendum. Listen, there probably a bit of gerrymandering over the years. <laughs> uh, <again>. We've just <laughs> gerrymandered the entire 26 counties into this vote. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, if you included the mainland of Britain and included Brexit as a... Yeah. 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 Something to think about, Ken. Something And uh, Ken Loach tomorrow will give you some more food for thought along those it lines. It will, yeah. If you're a fan of film, sport, or the country of Ireland, I think you'll want to sign up now. And that's a pretty big, big cross-section right there. Surely you're in at least one of those camps, if not two or even three. You can do it on secondcaptains.com. And lots of people have come on board during this series of fifth birthday interviews that we've been doing. I'm pretty sure they haven't been disappointed so far. And you get access to all of yes, our yes. past shows as well. If you sign up now. We'll see you tomorrow is what I'm saying to all of you who haven't signed up yet. The Mayo footballers have given us one of their trademark dramatic moments and it's not even the end of March yet. Andy Moore, and you did it the hard way in Bally Buffet yesterday? Yeah, it was. Uh, I said to a couple of the Donegal boys coming off the pitch that the quality of the game, neither of us probably should have been in that situation, but um, that's the way it ended out. And um, luckily enough for us, Kevin hits the wonder score at the end and keeps his individual one, you know? 
Is it the kind of thing that you feel confident as a team that you can, while you didn't want to be in that position, you can actually pull out moments like that? You've been in such big games, so many big games, so often over the last few years. Yeah, I, th- I think the key, the key thing to it is that we actually kept ourselves in the game. There was many points throughout that second half where Joe, we were beginning to wilt at times, and Donegal were coming at us, and they had upper hand, and we, we literally just kept going, and Connor kept us going with his freeze, and just kept us in the game, and. I think if you're in the game down the stretch and you have a bit of a win behind you, you get a bit of momentum, you've got a chance. And um, yeah, we've got players that, 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 that seem to be able to do that. And it's, um, it's really good for us. Um, and it's been Kevin now two years in a row. He did it for us last year above the and again in, in Bally Buffet yesterday. So yeah, we're we're happy this morning. We have to put it in perspective. It's still only a draw. Um, we still only drew the game. We wouldn't be entirely happy with the way our, our Division 1 went. But um, it's great to be still in the league. Have you pinpointed what went wrong in this campaign up to now? How you ended up in that position of needing a last second point to rescue yourselves? I think it's, it's, it's if you drew the parallels between ourselves and Waterford in the Hurling, I don't think there's... I don't think you'd, you'd find yourself ending up too far away from the same point, you know, it's um, really difficult. You, you look at all the circumstances, you lose in All-Ireland, you have a lot of injuries, you have a few boys you need to get patched up and, um, you know, you go away on a team holiday, you're starting a bit later than everybody else and I suppose your your demographics away from Dublin where your boys work and stuff like that make it quite difficult and at times we went into games this year and we'd only six, maybe five or six fellas from a certain team, uh, our usual certain team to play in. And I think when you go into that circumstance, it, it makes it difficult. Um, on top of that, our performances wouldn't have been great. We'd have been particularly disappointed with our Kerry and our goal performances and our Tyrone performance last week. But um, yeah, listen, it's, uh, there's, there's areas that we need to work on, but they're, they're, you have to be realistic about them as well, you know? Yeah, there were a few injuries, obviously, from just the, the length of your championship campaign last year. But I'm interested to hear you kind of say as well that there, it's the mental toll as well, and similar to Waterford losing the Ireland final, that guys actually are just tired coming uh, into January and, and February. Maybe just that freshness, it takes a little longer for you to find that when you're coming in off the back of a really long season that ends in a defeat in an Ireland final. Yeah, well, if you think about just the, 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 the logistics, logistics of it, really, it's... Um you know, you'd like, you've guys there that's finishing up in July and August last year and by the time January come around and the, it was the end of January this year that the league started, you've, all your guys probably should be back and whatever injuries they had throughout the season that they were playing through should be really fixed and maintained and you should be in a re, re, reasonable level of fitness. And if you look at people that get to an All-Ireland final ourselves, Dublin, Galway, and Waterford, you're going on that month, maybe five weeks extra longer than everybody else, and you have that length of time. And then if you lose an All Ireland final, mentally you need to get over that as well. So you need to give fellas time, space to kind of breathe, and then all of a sudden get the injuries patched up. So your chances of being ready for the end of that, the start of that league campaign at the end of January, become less and less. Andy, from a personal point of view, you've obviously got a footballer of the year shaped target on your back for defenders this year. <laughs> and yesterday's game, or the, the weekend's game, was interesting in that you, you started the match on fire on a personal note and were really causing havoc in there. It seemed like you were double teamed then after a certain point, uh, which obviously makes it harder for you. But do you have to accept that sometimes, particularly this year, that's going to be the situation that your role will in some ways be to free up space for others? I, I, think, I think that's fair to say. And... Um, like it's particularly when you're playing against the likes of Tyrone, Donegal, and the, these guys, you're, you're, you're like for large parts, which you're working on, you're working on a lot of scraps really in terms of there'd be two, three men around there all the time. So a lot of your job is to win the ball, maybe lay it off, as you said, Owen, as you said, just you know, create space for others, 
you know, when you get the shots, you kind of need to take them. So um, I, had, I had a good few shots yesterday, uh, got three or four points, three points. So it was, um, you know, like it, it, when you get your chances against people that play two, three men back, you literally need to take your chances. And my job yesterday uh, was probably did well enough to keep us in the game in the first half. And then second half, seen very little ball, but other fellas were there to kind of do the job. And that's it. So I think at stages in, in games, I don't think it's something really to do with football of the year. I think it has to do with the teams that you're playing against and how they set up and you know, the, the, the way it kind of works around the space and the, in, in, in their setup. You guys got some stick on TV last night. I don't know if you're aware of it, but for putting down the Donegal players en masse in injury time. Um, do you see this as an acceptable tactic now? Um, I think, like to be honest with you, I don't think we pulled them down en masse. I think there was one incident and I think it kind of got into a bit of a brawl then um, at the top of the D. Um, you know, it's something that happens and I think the rule, the rule makers have to, have to come up with some solution to, to, to get rid of it. But it, it, like it is... You know, I think it kind of is kind of part of the game in some way. I would like if it wasn't, but I think if you look at other games, I think there's different forms of what would you call a kind of cynical play to kill out a game. So in soccer, you know, if there's someone on a fly in soccer and you're one nil up, you're going to do it. If the, in rugby, I'm sure there's little technical things that you do in rugby to slow the game down as well. And I'm sure in every other game in the world, the small way, if it's pulling down a man, it's probably not the right thing to do. But in the situation that I was in, um, you know, I, I I don't know how you change it. Um, I think the, the, there needs to be a rule brought up to, to probably to, to probably change that. You know. Yeah. What sort of a rule? Kieran Whedon made a similar point last night, and he said maybe something along the lines of just a separate rule to deal with stuff in injury time or stuff in the last few minutes, because obviously a black card or whatever isn't going to deter you or anybody else. Yeah, I was always a big fan of the the, the fifty yard penalty in um, in Australian rules. I think it's a very good rule. I think it's very smart, and I think it just brings the brings the ball up but like for that to bring in now that'd be fairly dramatic change in the GA on and I'm not sure if, I don't know I how like we get that one through but it you know it's, it's a rule that I think it's really it's a relevant rule to our game and like you're not going to pull someone down if the ball is going to be moved up from the 13 to the beyond halfway and you're a point up or you're a point down you know what about personal responsibility if you, if you don't like it as you said there Andy how about just don't do it and tell your teammates not to do it like I think like it, it's a very kind of thin line in terms of in in terms. Of, now I haven't been granted. I haven't seen the game back. I didn't see League Sunday last night, so I don't really know what what was discussed. But um, yes, you know, it's a, like okay. If you're manager of the team, one right. So if you're manager of a team, what would you what what would you say? I would probably. Um, well, it's funny. I'd certainly except what happened in the All-Ireland Final in the dying minutes of the All-Ireland Final from, from both sides. Of course it but, was, yeah. But, but the fact that it's, cre- it's, cre- it's even creeping into league matches now, it seems like it, it is a bit of a, as a Gaelic football fan, I would say it is a bit ridiculous if you're, if you're going to start seeing this kind of stuff at the end of every match, lads being yeah. dragged down. Well, so. I, I think there's no, I don't think there's a whole lot of point no. in making a different, uh, different uh, differentiation between types of game. I mean, we're really getting into ridiculous uh, territory then if we're kind of saying, okay, it's acceptable to do it at one level. I mean, it's either no, unacceptable think, uh, or it's not, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that, Murph. I think, like, I genuinely have often said it, I think, I think it was actually Aaron Kernan that said it a couple of years ago on the, on the, on some punditry, I think the 50-yard penalty would get rid of it, but, like, like there, there's many that I'm sure other people would have a different rule for, you know, like the team that's chasing the game, they get very frustrated because the time the refs, ref, the yellow cards and black cards, and it's, it's time gone anyway. 
So it's it really is a rule change issue that we need to kind of change more so than the perspective of the Dublin All Ireland final or Mayo yesterday or whoever is playing. You know, it's uh, like a cynical little pullback is as bad as pulling someone uh, down at that time. You know, if we're going to delay the game, you know. You've got the championship to look forward to now. Galway, uh, specifically, which is obviously uh, an easy one, I guess, to to set your minds to. Andy, is there a sense? This is always said about Mayo in the last few years that, and it's proven to be incorrect. So you can give it short trip if you want, but you kind of need to win that game. Another long meandering trip through the back door might be a little bit tricky to negotiate. You really need to go and bust down that front door. Yeah, I think it's. Um I think it's a very important game. It's a game that we've targeted, um, and it's a game that Gola targeted all year. It's, we've lost two championship games in a row to them, um, so it's, it's going to be tough. Let's let, let's call it fair to say Galway are moving uh, at a good trajectory. They're moving forward. They're in the league final now next week, and it's um, it's something that we really need to focus our minds on. Uh, there's, there's, other issues around the game in terms of our home form and various things like that but we we're, we're, we'll work hard over the next couple of weeks to, to get that as best we can get as many healthy bodies on the pitch as we can and um, hopefully hopefully we've enough we've enough work done to, to get over but uh, it's a game that we're really focused on um, but and it's a game that uh, I wouldn't say we need to win but we really want to win you know and we're really we really are going for it really and um We'll see how we get on in the next couple of weeks and over the next five or six weeks. Yeah, like, was the back door such a trial for you guys? I mean, everyone loves kind of having a go at uh, sort of reading the mind of the Mayo, the collective mind of the Mayo dressing room. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, uh, are we overestimating how much of a pain it actually was for you guys to kind of be playing week on week and finding stuff out about guys like, you know, Connor Loftus and players like that, that, you know, they all came up trumps for you at various stages of the championship last year, and that must have helped those guys. Yeah, personally, like I'd always love playing games. Um, it's not that I don't like training, but it's uh, you prefer to keep away from the hard stuff for as long as you can, you know. And uh, if it's a game every week, you can't really train hard. And to be honest, we kind of found out a lot of ourselves. The biggest problem with the back door is that we went really close to losing against Cork. We went really close to losing to Derry. And someday, one of these teams are going to pick you when you keep edging that close to the fire, you know. So it's, um, I think that's the biggest problem. With it. Psychologically, is it a big issue, boys playing lots of football? I think if Anton, it helps you. Um, and I think it helps you then when you get to the later stages of the, later stages of the championship. But the danger is, is that you keep playing these teams, a team has won two or three games in a row, you're coming off the back of the feet, all of a sudden you get bent and you're out of the championship. I think that's the biggest problem psychologically with the back door. You're feeling good yourself, Andy? Yeah, I'm feeling brilliant. It's... Um, been a tough, uh, I suppose, couple of weeks on a personal note, but it's uh, it's been it's been um, it's been really good. The football has really helped in terms of uh, in terms of just getting back on it, and uh, the body is healthy, thank God. And um, you know, I did, genuinely, like like Murph, you know, you know the crack with Gaul and Mayo, but it's, um, it seems like it's it, it's uh, it's bigger than it's it's even bigger than usual, yeah. you know, and it's. Uh, um, Joe, and we're going to pack out some Castle Bar, so if you can't look forward to that and you're playing football, I don't know why you're playing football. You know? Murph will not shut up about Galway this year, Andy. I'm mm. glad we have you on to address this. Well, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's like there's a couple of things playing into this, the build-up to May 13th. There's like the six sendings off in two games. Uh, this th- That sort of thing, for better or worse, does sell tickets, puts bubs on seats, Andy. So, But I mean, it, it is, it's true. I mean, uh, it's the first time in, uh, in a while that Galway and Mayo can credibly say, right, we're both in the top five maybe since the, the start of the 2000s. So for that alone, 
it yeah, is well, a pretty big occasion. Yeah, like, but you, you, you see the general excitement of the crowd that was there last week for Galway Dublin, and, and like in no way it's an about Galway, but it's 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 great to see that atmosphere around the Galway team. Yeah, it's, um, like in in Division One next year, out of eighteen, there's going to be three the three teams from Connacht, which is um, which is an excellent representation from us in fairness, and uh, I think it's a it's a really good championship. Um, this year, and we just hope that we're in it after May 13th. But it's uh, it's exciting. Listen, we all know the goal of players now at this stage. They were, went under the radar there for a while, but they'll be kind of in the spotlight again next week. And um, our job is to go out and try to stop them and, and do as much damage we can ourselves our, our up for them the Absolutely, Andy. Listen, great to talk to you. You mentioned your personal difficulties. Very sorry to hear that your dad passed away recently as well. So um, thanks very much for no, talking to us. Thanks very much for that. And, yeah, no problem at all. Thanks so much. Just a crying big baby. But you cannot call it a player, a baby. Coach! 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 This is the game you wanted a victory boy, didn't have a wobble. I want victory for every game. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Coach! This is the game you wanted a victory boy, didn't have a wobble. Well, it's just the nervousness. You look frustrated on the Coach. pitch. This is the game you wanted a victory boy, didn't have a wobble. You wanted victory. Well, I want that victory. Coach. This is the game you wanted a victory boy, didn't have a wobble. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? against them in the premiership and we never said they are baby. It's just a crying big baby and you cannot call a player a baby. Good to see Andy fitting well and looking sharp as ever, 34 years of age. If we did steer clear of asking him, is he going to retire after this season? <laughs> and the same can't be said of Lee Keegan, though, fitness-wise. He's been ruled out for yeah a lot of the, so a lot of the campaign anyway. Well, three, three, or, or, four three or four months, says uh, Stephen Rochford. Now, uh, Lee Keegan has shown in the past uh, miraculous uh, powers of recovery. Uh, for instance, uh, during Air Sports coverage of Dublin Mayo this uh, this year, so just last month, Lee Keegan hadn't been seen all league, and uh, James Horn was one of the analysts on Air Sport, and uh, he was talking about you know, listen, you know, when Lee comes back, it's going to be a, it's 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 going to be a you know a massive moment for me. Of course, he's not back tonight, and then the presenter of the show, no, actually, Lee Keegan. He is playing tonight. And now, James Ward is actually Lee Keegan's club manager <laughs> with Westport. So we would have presumed that James had the inside track to some extent on Lee's fitness or otherwise. But he basically had to be told like three times. No, James, what we're saying is Lee Keegan is actually starting tonight in tonight's game. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's definitely out of the goal of the game on May 13th. But, yeah, he's probably definitely out of the goal of the game on May 13th. Malachy Clerken is here. How are you, Malachy? I'm very well, lads. And you are here to talk hurling, but we have had Andy Moran, the great Andy Moran, on the show. So Indeed. I do have to follow up on one part of that conversation, which I think he might have been a bit reluctant to get into, given that he kept pausing to gather his thoughts every time I asked him questions in this part of the interview. And that was around the latest round of cynicism seen in Gaelic football, lads being wrestled to the ground. Now, it seems to be now a chief tactic. I know, Murphy, you were r- rubbishing my, my point that it's now not only All-Ireland Finals are on the line, but when league matches are on the line, 
it's acceptable to just throw people to the ground and waste time. Is there any way to stamp that kind of stuff out? Well, I love I love uh, the fact that you think that I'm comfortable talking about it. <laughs> uh, there, there's eminently sensible ways of doing it if if people want it stamped out. Fifty meter free, Andy reluctantly suggested. A black ball free, a twenty meter free. At the end of a game, a mm. twenty meter free. Mm. If you do that in the last, let's say after the sixty fifth minute of a game, uh, any any cynical foul. A blatantly cynical foul. Give a black ball free, twenty yeah. meter free. There you go. That that stops it immediately. If the will is there to do that, I don't know if the will is there to do that. But do you get head up about this kind of thing? Do you see it? Not, not, not particularly. Not like it's important. you know, uh, on on a on a weird level, it is actually you could argue that it's fair because everybody does it. Like if if there was uh, a load of teams that were that were um, defiantly saying we will not do that kind of thing, um, then then you could sort of take sides on it. But there's no side to take here, really. Uh, it's it's something that is in the game. It's up to the legislators to take it out of the game if they so wish, if the if the will is there to do it. Uh, if the will is not there to do it, then it will just stay in the game. Uh, they, but the side of it, I think, that, that, that annoys people, whatever about it actually happening, is the sort of... The mealy-mouthedness around it, you know, the Jim Gavin, you know, I would hate anyone to think that Dublin were a cynical team. <laughs> now, he has started, that's like, that's a quote from about three years ago. He hasn't said anything like it in recent years. But that kind of carry on, you know, the the uh, that sort of mealy-mouthedness, that sort of, well, you know, we wouldn't be doing that kind of thing. Teams in general and players in general sort of own it these days. They sort of go, well, look, that's what the rules are. I'm going to do whatever we have to do. If you want to take it out of the game, take it out of the game. But yeah. it is what it is. Well, thankfully, there is absolutely zero cynicism in the great sport <laughs> of hurling, as we all know. Michael Dagdon, how are you? I'm good, lads. Thanks. And now from the first weekend of the league, it's been pretty clear that Wexford want to win this thing, which can't be said for every team. And they look pretty dialed in again at the weekend. That was a, an impressive statement of intent. You know, a very good game. Um, I watched it and um, you could see Galway were intent on winning it as well. You know, I wasn't sure how they'd approach it. I, I think... It, I, I thought coming into it, it was an important game for them because they had been in 1B and I suppose the first big challenge they got was against Limerick in the second half and they failed that and I suppose uh, you know there'd be a few warning bells going off maybe for Galway but I thought this, they lined out with a slightly strange team with Joe Cannon in the middle of the field and David Burke Dom, I don't know where he was inside in the forward somewhere but like for the best midfielder in the game I don't know what that was about um, it's surely not something they're looking at for the championships. I was surprised by that, but but in Wexford's behalf, very organised. I thought they could have won by more. I thought they had, you know at crucial stages they missed they missed four or five frees. Uh, I think that's a worry for them. I've said this for the last couple of years that they don't have a really dependable free taker from sort of fifty sixty yards. Uh, Paddy Kyo from long range and even Lee Chin from long range. I think he's more comfortable. But Rory O'Connor did step up and and score a few, and he had an outstanding game for a young player. He's you know I've been watching him since minor, and he he's brilliant and. Uh, and you know, Lee Chin in good form. So I think Wexford are very happy. And I think I've I've said it. I thought Wexford and Limerick are the two teams that winning the league would mean the most. I think in terms of their development, and both of them are still in there now. Yeah, and when you look back to last year, maybe it's easy being wise after the event. But you could see that Galway from the league quarterfinals on last year were playing with you know absolute conviction in themselves and belief in themselves. Are we seeing something similar? With Wex- well, I suppose Wexford in particular, when you see how they've taken down the league and All Ireland champions on Saturday, that there, there's a belief about them that's different to maybe last year. In that last year was kind of just the excitement of Davy Fitz and all the rest, and yeah. you know they got in a role. This year, it does kind of seem like 
you look around the pitch and there's they have a lot of the stuff that you need to go very close in in well it's August now rather than September. Yeah, um, well there does seem to be a lot of substance about their about their players and there's no doubt. Um, I think they've developed their game. You know, I think you know we had we had Davy Gate last year with myself and himself over the over their the sweeper. But well, they are funneling players back now. They're you know the the famous transition more that we use, but but they're getting players forward. You know, you see Dermot O'Keefe popping up and Paddy Kill pop, uh, popping up with scores, and um, so you know they're playing a very clever, expansive game. It look some of it is very short passing, but you know they're off the shoulder. Um, it's. It's short and long, I suppose, and McDonald, or Conor McDonald inside, who, you know, probably has been the player that maybe in the last while hasn't been, like he was brilliant when he came on the scene first, has been a little bit quieter, but I thought him in the last 10 minutes against Galway might be the most encouraging thing to come out of that game for Wexford because, you know, he caught one puck out and put it over the bar, maybe to score the game. And, and um, you know, he, like to have, to have Paul Morris up front as well and, and to have Lee Chin and to have Rory O'Connor, you know, it, for the first time in a long time, I think Wexford have... A serious forward line, and um, I don't think there's anybody going to be looking forward to playing them. Uh, and as you say, it's not about David Fitzgerald anymore. It's about a, a very substantial team that has designs on winning the league and that are going to be very difficult to beat in the championship. They did come up short last summer after an exciting run. I mean, they were they, they were outclassed against Galway and then beaten by Waterford in the quarter final. Have they added whatever needs to be added? since then to make them all out contenders this year maybe? I think Michael touched on it there I think Rory O'Connor is a, is a definite addition um, and it's an addition they need because I always look at them and look at some of the other teams like I was I was at the Tip Dublin game yesterday you know even when Tip are playing badly you know that, that there's going to be a tip 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 of scores a drop drop you know no matter you know you, it, they almost can't go three minutes without putting up a score because there's just Scores and scores for, for even in the early stages yesterday when they looked at, when they were playing yeah. really badly and then suddenly they're back to within a point or two without yeah, done exactly anything. and and that was that's always my bit of a fear for 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 Wexford or or exactly what Wexford needed to, to sort of sort out this year you know like they were brilliant in the first half of the Leinster final against Galway last year or at least for the first thirty minutes and it was using their sweeper system to release you know the likes of Dermot O'Keefe release the, and they were getting loads of scores from defenders and all that but you still looked at them and you thought right if Paul Morris doesn't get his three points at corner forward who's going to fill that gap if Lee Chin uh, a magnificent player though he is, but if if he misses his first two sixty meter frees, then what's happening after that? And that's, I think that's their that's what they need. They need they need Conor McDonald didn't have an amazing year last year. They need him to be to be the focal point of in in on the edge of the square, bringing that danger. And they just they need more routes to goal. I guess is essentially it. And and that's that's what's going to be the making and breaking of them through the year because they're very hard to score against. They, Sean Murphy has that role down to a T. Mark Fanning is a brilliant goalkeeper and and you know a kind of a heartbeat of of, uh, of organisation back there. Liam Ryan and Matthew Hannan are, are man mountains in the spine there. So the, and they've so they they they're gonna, they're a tough team to put up a score against. It's just they need it's just building the score themselves. At the at the really highest level, when you get to an All Ireland semi final, yeah, Michael, the bar is set intimidatingly high in, for in that particular area. When you look at the last two teams to have won the All Ireland, Tipperary probably have nine brilliant forwards. Galway have eight brilliant forwards. You know that's nearly what you need now. You need to be able to say, well, we'll score 
126, 127, and let's hope the defenders take it. You do actually have to score. That, that's how heavily you have to score now. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And but I, I, you know, I do think there's a lot more. There's a lot of ways of scoring, and and you know, Maliki mentioned there, like from out out the field, like if you play like Waterford and Wexford, whatever, you do need shooters, wing backs, midfielders that can score. Like we see Jamie Barron with Waterford and players like that, so you have a bigger spread of scorers. But you know, I just thought, just I just thought, no, it, it's a bit. I only watched the game on television, um, but so you can't really see. But it it, it struck me that. Wexford are committing more players forward. You know, looking at the, when Galway were poking out, there was three Wexford players in the full forward. Line. Okay, they were obviously drifting out a little bit after, but I thought they had a lot more support when the ball went in there uh, than maybe they had last year. So I think it's definitely something they worked on. But in terms of, yeah, you, you do. And I think this year, particularly in the early stages of the championship, you know, we've talked about this before, you're going to need a big squad. You, you don't know what injuries, um, you know, you've four. You've, you've three three matches coming up uh, very quickly. Um, sorry, four matches in in. in uh, in Leinster and and uh, Munster, um, in a few weeks, so you're going to need a big squad of players, um, and it, it depends. You know, there's there's a few other Wexford players we haven't seen a lot of yet. Like Cahill Dunbar was a brilliant under twenty one for the last couple of years, um, playing with DCU there. I think as well, he's he's another very very good forward, and um, certainly you'd be impressed with with the, with their improvement. And um, but at the same time. You know, we said this every year. You don't really know until it comes to the summer. Like, how much have Galway are probably a month behind? But even even Tipperary yesterday, like tipping around in second gear and third gear, but they upped it for a half an hour to just blew Dublin away. Uh, so I think I think Tipperary and Galway are a step ahead of the rest. But Limerick, Wexford are certainly you know leading the charge. Cork had a good display last week against Waterford, which there seemed to be more gutsy than they had been earlier in the league. I know they're very hot and cold, but there's a lot of teams out there that are going to be. Challenging, I think we're, we're we're you know I said this we're heading into a potentially very good era for hurling. Like there looks to be seven or eight really good teams out there that that can challenge for all Ireland over the next few years. Should Galway be worried? Um, I would be a little bit worried, yeah. Because but look, I think Dahi Burke. You know, you, you can't build a team around one player, but it's a bit like Parik Maher with Tipperary. If you imagine Parik Maher not playing for Tipperary at the moment, the way he's playing over the last three or four years. Uh, You'd nearly say Tipperary couldn't win without Parik Maher, and Dahi Burke is missing out of the goal with defence. And um, you you saw Aidan Hart was in big trouble against Jack O'Connor. I think he caught four or five puckouts over his head in the first half. But Parik Mannion was able to move on to him, and they quietened him after that. And you know, so I think if you have Dahi Burke back, you bring that stability back to the defence. Um, obviously, David Burke is going to be in the middle of the field with Johnny Cohen. I don't know. I, as I say, that was a bit strange. Joe probably back at 11. So I think when they get their structure back and get everybody back in their positions, like they will be delighted with the form of uh, Cahill Mannion in particular. Connor Whelan against Wexford, very good. Quiet against uh, Limerick the week before. But, you know, there's a few question marks over their form. They didn't have that last year. Um, but realistically, you know, they have a couple of matches in Leinster that they're going to win and they, they have time on their side uh, to get back to full tilt. So a few little alarm bells but maybe that's a good thing that gives them something to work on and, and as I say look they would have had a lot of celebrations um, but the one thing you can't measure as we've you know the old cliche you can't measure hunger and very few teams have come back and, and been the same team the year after winning the Ireland Kilkenny are the only team since Cork and four and five you know that have retained the title so um, it, you know it, I still think they're up there in the top two or three teams in the country but whether that same drive and determination is going to be there or not we won't know until it comes to a knockout game You said you were at Croke Park Maliki mm-hmm. um, we haven't really talked about Dublin under Pat Gilroy and some of their difficulties I guess the silver lining so far has been well Kula the Kula players are still to come back yeah. and they've gone on and they've won the All-Ireland at the weekend in fairly dramatic circumstances 
But even the news today is not good there because Paul Shuday is out for the season, or the guts of the season. He's apparently ripped his hamstring off his bone. But not apparently, he said himself after the game <laughs> that that's what happened. So that's really unfortunate for, for Gilroy. Not much you can do about that. Do you see anything in what they're doing? They did race to an early lead yesterday, which was, I guess, somewhat encouraging. I mean, if they if they were able to play a 70-minute match like they played for the first 10 minutes yesterday, <laughs> uh, we could call the All-Ireland now. <laughs> like they, they, took, this, yeah. they took 11 shots, scored 10 points, uh, absolutely murdered uh, Tip for the first 10 minutes. Tip looked Tipper still on the bus, like, um, yeah, like I wrote. I actually wrote, wrote a piece about Dublin for the for the paper on Saturday. They're a weird team to write about at the minute. Um, I counted it up in the first five league games. They used thirty six players, uh, and that's without the eight cooler lads that will come into the squad. Well, I guess seven now, but it was about sort of seven or eight, anything up to ten cooler lads could come into the squad. It's without the likes of Joey Boland, um, Peter and Kelly, Peter Kelly, a couple of others um, who have been in and around the squad uh, but are kind of fighting injuries and fitness and all that. It, like it, like I wrote in the piece, it's not inconceivable that by the end of 2018, Gilroy will have used 50 hurlers in league and championship. Um, what does that tell you? All it all it says is that uh, there's a team in there somewhere. There's you know they have a they uh, they have a 15 and a 21 in there somewhere. But whoever plays Kilkenny uh, in Parnell Park in whatever it is seven weeks now, it'll be the first time that team has played together. The you know a lot of them you know won't have ever played in the same team together. You know, um, they're they're an in, they're a strange side to look at like. You look through the spine of it, and the spine will be a, a, a cooler spine, I guess. Keanu Callaghan will come back in at full back. Sean Moore, I guess, will come in at, at centre back. Liam Rush will be in there somewhere. He wasn't even in the. He wasn't even named in the program yesterday. Like he's he's fighting his way back through injury. Chris Crummy has been brilliant for them in the league. He got bad belt yesterday and and, and was carried off. I presume he'll be fine uh, going forward. Danny Sutcliffe was brilliant for for the first ten minutes. I did nothing for the rest of the game, and and I was actually sitting near the Tip FM commentary team, who were going absolutely mad <laughs> for some of the off the ball stuff that Sutcliffe was doing. Um, so they're, it's just impossible really to know what they're like or what they're going to be like uh, until you see them play three games in a row uh, in between May and June. Like, it's funny, I was talking to somebody the other day, they were saying, you know, when the draw came out for the championship, a lot of Dublin hurling people kind of rubbed their hands together and said, that's the big game of the summer, lads, Kilkenny and Parnell Park on May the 6th or May the 13th or whatever it is. I think Dublin's big game of the summer is going to be against Offaly because whoever loses that is a fair chance of getting relegated from the Leinster Championship. Yeah, and you know, and that's I think that's a live concern for Dublin now, Michael. Do you think that people want to believe in Pat Gilroy, uh, and as a result, are prepared to give Dublin maybe a bit more leeway than teams who would have have lost the amount of games that Dublin already have under him usually get? Well, yeah, I think that's a factor. I, I think I think there's a huge belief in Dublin in Pat Gilroy, but I, I too, I, you also have to factor in the circumstances. You know, they are. They have been without the cooler players, and I suppose it's a bit like uh, when Borough were going well in Offaly. We when we were out without the Borough players, we weren't the same team. But I, but the point I think that Maliki makes as well made that we were probably an established team, and 
uh, we knew when the Burlers came back what way we'd be and how we'd line up. Whereas the big question for Dublin is, what team will they will they actually put out in the field when they have everybody? But so I think you have to give them the benefit of the doubt this year. The management team. A bigger concern for me would be how the management team is working. You know, Anthony Cunningham is there, so he's the curling coach, obviously. But on match day, who is making the calls and who's in charge? Like if if I was in that setup as Anthony Cunningham. I would be saying to Pat Kilroy, Pat, you're the manager, you're in charge of logistics, you're in charge of everything else, you're in charge of the backroom team, you're in charge of all that. But when it comes to the sideline on match day, I'm there and you're up in the stand. Uh, because that, that's almost more like a, to... a rugby manager's role, though, kind of a background uh, yeah. administrative. But like Pat Kilroy's knowledge of hurling, in my opinion, at that level, wouldn't be on match day, wouldn't be sufficient to run the line. In in a that's only my own opinion. Mm. I think that. Anthony Cunningham has been there with Galway as a player and as a manager, a puck of the ball away from winning all Ireland. And I think if he's not allowed to impart, if his philosophy in training and he can't see that in work on the field and make changes as he sees fit and bring in players and make changes, well then what's he doing there? You know, then he's only basically, he's just there to do drills and training. And then if that's the case, well then don't have him on the sideline. I don't think you can have two people in charge and match there. I think you only have one person. Like Brian Cody makes the decisions for Kilkenny. Michael Ryan makes them for Tipperary. Uh, Michal Dunham makes them for Galway. Well, well uh, didn't, didn't Clare have co-managers? Um, they still do. They still do have co-managers. Well, I don't know what their setup is. Uh, like, do do they refer to each other? Because I, I, I just that's only my own personal philosophy on the mm. game. I even been over underage teams myself the last couple of years with big Dahi Regan beside me. Not a, not an easy man to tell what to do, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> but we have our own arrangement. Like Dahi does a lot of the coaching, um, but on match day I'm in charge and on the sideline, and I make the calls as I see fit, and that's the only way I could operate. Um, so I just think that's an issue and you know there was a lot of discussion behind the scenes on whether it's true or not but that players didn't want maybe Anthony Cunningham and obviously Matty Kenny has had huge success with Kula and you have all this sort of thing going on so I'm not sure you know none of us are in the camp and we don't know what's happening and there will be certainly a big plus a big lift to everybody like I just think the likes of like Sean Moore's performances I know it's club and I know it's, it is a big step up and people have to realise that I know the standard of club was almost inter-county but it's only almost inter-county it's still not inter-county hurling but Sean Moore looks the real deal I think Darrow O'Connell's performances were just unbelievable playing wing back but he's a midfielder either it doesn't matter but I think he's going to be a huge asset and um, you know Keno Callahan whoever else Liam Rush coming back in so Dublin are going to be an awful lot stronger and they've blooded a lot of players and they will have learned a lot uh, throughout the league but as Maliki says it'd be a disaster for Dub- like if, if Offaly are relegated or Dublin are relegated at the end of this you know it's going to it's, it's, it's going to change the landscape of hurling in both those counties and, and um, you know it's going to leave a very very uh, leave them in a very difficult position uh, into the future. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the dynamic, actually, because I was in Parnell Park for Galway, uh, Dublin, and I happened to be sitting about maybe 10 or 15 yards from the Dublin bench. And as a result, you know, you would be watching it very, very closely. And Anthony Cunningham does, you know, all of the sort of the shouting and roaring that you would expect from inter-county managers, and Gilroy said very little. Um which is kind of like, I was trying to figure out what the messaging was in it all as well. I mean, it's a league game. Dublin weren't going to get promoted anyway. You know, there is a certain amount of, well, why would Pat Gilroy be roaring and shouting, you know, for a league game in March? But it is it is interesting and it is something that people will be watching out for very closely, that dynamic that between big time. them all. The big time. The only thing I'd say about it is that it it nearly, from looking at them, it, it nearly feels like... Um, 
like a consideration for a lot further down the line. Like right now, they're just at a point where they're trying to work out who their best, I don't know, best 30 players are, never never mind who their best 15 are. So so the dynamics on the sideline, of course, I mean, obviously when they get to the crux of it, that's going to be a huge thing, but uh, I'm not. they're not really even there yet, you know. Michael, what did you make? I, I, yeah. I, I just thought as well, um, Maliki, that I thought Pat Gilroy, you know, I think he's been very good in what he's done. Like, he's brought in an awful lot of young players, but he's also gone back out. Like, look at Cole Keane yeah. yesterday again. You know, I don't know what age is he, 35 or 35, 36 now, but yeah. he scored four, was it four or five points from play yesterday? And, um, you know, and it, it's just to go, I think in terms of gelling Dublin hurling, of, like, there was a lot of problems over the last couple of years, a lot of dissatisfaction. But he went back out to the Johnny McCaffrey's and the Cole Keeney's and anyone else that wasn't out there, Peter Kelly. And he went around. And I think even from in terms of getting the clubs on side, I think that was a very important move that yeah. he now has 50, 60 players, maybe, whatever you say, feeding in. All the best players in Dublin are being given a crack at the whip and it will take them a little while. And, yeah. and I, I think that's why, you know, that's why the Dublin Offaly game, if it comes down to that, to be the side one, is so big for Dublin on that basis. While it's equally as big for Offaly on the basis that, you know, Offaly trying to rebuild them under Kevin Martin, um, you know, really need to get a few more young players in there over the next year or two. Um, like he's really relying on an agent squad at the moment, uh, with maybe five of the forwards starting will be over thirty. So, you know, it's a completely different dynamic for Offaly, but equally as important. And you know, it's only I think people are only beginning to really realise now that somebody is going to go out of the McCarthy, you know, and, and uh, it's going to be massive for whichever county it is. Michael, what did you make of Kula's achievement back to back All Ireland? Are they one of the great club teams now? Yeah, you'd have to. You know, it's it's very difficult to do it, um, and they did it the hard way. Uh, like it was just it's incredible stuff, edge of the seat stuff, um, and it was hard to see some either of them losing. You know, I was looking at Shane Dowling and the performance. He's catching, sidestepping, shimmy for the goal, and you know the, the sort of intelligence of his hurling and over the over the days, uh, one or two ref deci- refereeing decisions. I thought, you know, I don't know, the first day to free, the first day, and different things. So I think at times Kula had a rubber of the green, and and at times the you know. Maybe the Piercy shot themselves in the foot, but you know, at the end of the day, it's all over now. And the ifs and buts and maybe's, Kula have have done it. And um, all the jokes about uh, there won't be a whatever a latte drink in in Kula or whatever all those snide remarks. A neighbor like sued was what I heard. <laughs> what was that? Uh-huh. There would be a neighbor <laughs> sued and yeah, Doki for the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but it, fundamentally untrue, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great achievement and well done to them. Great stuff. Listen, good to talk to you, Michael. Thanks so much. Maliki, thanks a million. No worries, lads. Cheers, lads. Off to bed I went. My head was fried. I didn't even know there was a damn card Absolute in the fucking I was horror. devastated. I'd been off the smokes a while. Saw that. Back on there. <laughs> I had a date organised for that night. A first date with someone cancelled that. My head was gone. <laughs> Woke up the following morning and to my absolute amazement, I read this message on my phone. Let me tell you, you're only getting this because you're a former player of mine and <laughs> I'm not too sure too many journalists would have got the third time lucky. Hi Richie, sorry the equipment just didn't work again, but it's no problem for me to do it again. Maybe see you in Ipswich one day for third time lucky. Best wishes, Mitch. Best wishes, Mitch. I got a job on a Wednesday. I'd been a player up until that, that yeah. Wednesday. Took the training on Thursday. I picked the team on Friday and I took the game on Saturday. So I got the job on the Wednesday. I'd been a player up until that, that yeah. Wednesday. Took the training on Thursday. Picked the team on Friday and I took the game on Saturday. So it's a bit of a whirlwind. 
Oh god, oh Jesus Christ. When I'm just looking down, I think all the red lights are still on. It looks like we've recorded this successfully. Mick, thank you so much for agreeing to do this so many times. Richie, I sincerely hope so because there's no fourth time lucky, let me tell you. It was a fair point to raise by Michael Dyke there about the level of these club matches being just a little bit below, just to keep any sort of excitement that Dublin fans might have about all these cooler players coming back under, yeah. put it into a certain sort of a context here. But obviously, if you'd watched either of these games, I must say I missed the first, well, the first one was on around the time the rugby was on, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, it I missed, was on exactly during the rugby. Yeah, you had been raving about it, so I made sure not to miss the replay. And it was brilliant, par- partly because it wasn't quite as brilliant as some inter-county games in the sense that you can sometimes see these amazing shootouts and these all these incredible points and goals going in and it's it's nearly so good that you become a little bit inured to it yeah whereas what i thought yesterday was or on saturday it was a, a bit more scrappy than a lot of inter-county games but not that either teams were deliber- playing a deliberate defensive strategy just ended up being a lot of these all-out eight-man scrambles for the ball with one lad sitting on it and everyone else flailing hurls. At one stage, one of the Kula fours, I think, went in, lost control of the ball as he's going in for a one-on-one. The, ki- the Napierce keeper comes out. And the two of them just basically slide into each other, legs first, like it's a football match. Yeah. So, clearly, leg-breaking tackles on both sides and they come out of it, no problem. There's just a re- there was a serious intensity to it and obviously pockets of in- immense quality as well. Like Conor Ballon yeah. had a quiet game, came good at the end. Um, Adrian Breen was incredible for for Napier Shigan scoring a load of great points our pal David Breen was horsing lads out of the way from yeah. the first moment to the last it's gas I, I was thinking the exact same thing why is this so ridiculously exciting to watch and it is that there is like an element of the human fallibility is on show so that you know that guys are operating at the absolute you know, kind of beyond the level that they can actually perform at or the amount of effort that they can actually put in and it necessarily people who are really good at sport don't look like they're putting in a massive amount of effort. I mean, the effortlessness is what sets them apart from the mortals, you know? The idea that you just always do the right thing. I mean, there is that, that's just like a, an aesthetic thing in ways. There is also just, if you're, if you're at the top, top level of your sport, you end up doing the right thing. A key part of what makes you a brilliant sportsman is your calmness, your composure under pressure. Necessarily, if you're playing in an Ireland club final, you know, well over half. I mean, you're talking about t- maybe as many as 10 Kula players and there might be seven or eight Napierce lads. So that's, you know, a huge representation. But there are still guys who patently aren't inter-county class playing in those games. And that's, this, that's their, that's their going to be their lot. That's their biggest game. Yeah, and but also it's, you know, the, the stuff that sets them apart from the inter-county players is that composure. They don't have the composure, but what they do then have is you're watching it going, God, like, you know, why can't the Irish soccer team try this as hard as these guys? You know, that old cliche. They are trying that hard. It just doesn't... They're just way better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't have to run as far because they know the positions they're supposed to be in. And that's just the way it is. So, I mean, th- there are just people being asked to perform at a level that, you know, they're not capable of in a lot of ways. But their efforts to get to that <laughs> level is what makes it so entertaining for us to watch. Ken, I'd love to get you involved in this hurting chat, but I know your sole thoughts at the moment around one question where's Dermo where is Dermo Ken Dermot Connolly hasn't Dermot been Bar- seen oh. Dermot Bannon well <laughs> Dermot Bannon had his own troubles last night Dermo 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 yeah 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 Dermo hasn't been seen in the league campaign a lot of whispers afoot that he was none too happy with being excluded from the team towards the end of the championship last didn't year didn't make the Ireland football final team 
Sure, he came suspension, on. You know, I assume we'll thing. unleash the Kraken at the moment of maximum impact. Well, yeah, that was what everyone's been thinking, but the more whispers. I don't know. What have there, you been hearing around sort of the Fairview Fair Marina area? I mean, that's have you spotted Dermo? Uh, I have not. Have I? What have I heard? Well, Jim Gavin is remaining tight-lipped <laughs> for once. <laughs> Jim Gavin refuses to be drawn. You know, I, I just, I just feel as though Jim Gavin understands the people of Dublin, and he knows that the people of Dublin want to see, <laughs> <laughs> want to see Jermo riding roughshod over the opposition at some point this summer of 2018, and I, I think we're going to see it on. We're going to send you out on a live dermo hunt yeah. over the next few weeks. You can give us a full fair view on it. Is that okay? Absolutely. Thanks, Ken. No okay, thank you all. Thanks, Perf. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, everybody. Ken Loach on the show tomorrow. Can't wait. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.